Hi guys, welcome. Uh, today's gonna be maybe a little bit deeper, and I probably start by saying trigger warning for anyone who's experienced trauma and is still working through it. This is a helpful thing, but if you're not at the stage in your healing journey where you can hear and learn from others' experience, I would say maybe maybe skip on this one, but. If you're working and you're kind of at a standstill with your healing and you want to, or you're doing therapy and you're trying to find something that works better for you, uh, me and my therapist started doing this new type of therapy called EMDR. Well, we started a year ago. It's just, we haven't really been consistent, but I just got out of a session today. So I figured I'd talk about it and just kind of share my experience and also like explain to you what it is I'm not like a licensed therapist obviously and I'm not an expert either but I figured I'd be a little profesh and give you some like statistics and stuff um and just you know an overview of it you probably have never heard of it maybe you have I don't know but yeah and just for me personally just kind of dissect like what I just went over in the session because it's it's an intense session and it brings out a lot of emotions. So EMDR, according to Healthline, stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. Um, and it's an interactive psychology psychotherapy technique used to relieve psychological stress. And it's used mainly as a uh, approach to trauma and painful memories that can cause PTSD. Um, and then kind of alleviates when, uh, sights, sounds, words, or smells trigger you and these unprocessed memories that you may have blocked away or you just haven't really dove into. Um, but yeah, I would just like to say like PTSD, it doesn't mean you like have to go to war and like now you're experiencing like war dreams. PTSD can literally be anything that like maybe you don't even identify as traumatic but like for some reason like you think about it a lot or like when you're put in a similar situation you act out or you like have this strong emotional response and you don't really know why you're feeling that way and there can be a lot of little things that do that um for me it's it's hard to identify one thing I'm not saying like all my trauma but like the whole point of this is to identify one thing and start there, so, but I'll get into that. So it kind of just aims to reduce symptoms of trauma and help you recall it through um, bilateral eye movement or also bilateral lateral sensory things, so like left, right, left, right, and like how I was talking about the left and right brain, how your right brain's like emotional and more... Um, kind of just, you know, deals with your emotions and is not as much logical, which your left brain is analytical and logical and kind of just looks at the facts. So I'm more right-brained. That's just me. And that's where a lot of your emotional processes and trauma is stored. So the whole point of it is to kind of, in a sense, mesh left and right brain together with these memories and kind of 
create a new logic of it or, you know, take it away from just that emotion and kind of reprocess it in a, you know, logical sense after the fact or just to reframe your, uh, your thought process and understand that maybe it's not what you feel it was or just to take away the emotion that comes out when you think of that so that's basically the idea so that you don't keep getting triggered and then feeling this way it just honestly just helps so that that trauma isn't as it's it's controlled I guess and it doesn't have as much of emotion every time if that makes sense so um yeah there's a lot of research about it. You can do some yourself. Um, it's mainly, I think it's new, honestly. My therapist just got introduced to it last year, but it treats a lot of things besides just PTSD. It can be used for depression um, and for kids that have childhood trauma, preferably like maybe when they like shortly after they go through it but you know I don't think any of us uh, maybe I'm not gonna speak for everyone but you know whatever um panic disorder uh stressful event like an ER experience uh refugees which that's what I was talking about war um and just oh there's also substance use disorders uh, anxiety panic attacks um, and then eating disorders, which I think is really interesting because my focus hasn't been on that and it's been on something else, but I think my eating disorder stemmed from this core trauma in some ways because it's about control and I could talk about that more. Or yeah, it also talks about it can treat bipolar disorder, um, just a lot of different things. So there's like eight phases. Uh, the first phase, and this is multiple sessions, but like, I don't, I don't know if it's like each time you do it. I don't know. I'll, I'll go into it when I tell you about my experience. But phase one is kind of just identifying the history and just evaluating what your trauma is about and identifying it, and then so you can create a treatment plan and kind of go from there. So. Your therapist should help you manage, depending on your trauma and your reactions, like it would help, should help you with breathing and, you know, self-soothing and just trying to keep your emotions as minimal as possible. I mean, not, not reduce them, but, you know, try to go, try to experience your trauma in a healthy way, which it's hard, but like each time it gets easier. Um, there's just a lot of different ways that they may do that. And then assessment is phase three. So you select a specific memory to target along with any relevant aspects of that memory. So it can be in painful emotions or physical sensations, intrusive thoughts or in images, uh, distressing and unwanting beliefs. So I would say this part is the hardest because, well, unless you have one traumatic event. You know, that's, like, very distinct. But especially if it's a childhood thing, it's kind of hard to identify the one thing that you would say you hold on to the most. And for me, I just, 
I wasn't, it, it was really weird that I thought of that, but then I, like, I just let my brain kind of just choose for me, and I just relaxed, and for some reason I chose one that I wouldn't think would be very, um, traumatic, or I, I didn't really realize I remembered, and then now that I realize it, it, it did incite, like, a lot of other self-limiting beliefs and all these other core beliefs that I formed after that not just because of that incident but it was kind of just a very distinct core memory of something that kind of formed my frame of mind so then phase four through seven is the treatment so first is desensitization yeah um you know I got a little I, I mess up on my words sometimes but in this, you focus on the negative thoughts and the memory or images, and you express specific feelings about, like, you have to say certain feelings that you start with. And then you say, um, you, so you identify what the limiting beliefs are, and then after that, directly after that, you talk about what the um positive self-belief is or what you want to change basically so it's just the opposite like if i were to say i feel like i'm not loved unless i'm perfect which it's kind of what mine is but the second part would be i don't have to be perfect to receive love you know if that makes sense and then you kind of do a body scan which after you target the memory and you talk through it and stuff uh your your therapist is going to ask like where do you feel this emotion the strongest and for me for some reason it's like in my throat because I feel like if you're like you know gonna cry that's where it is but it's in my throat and in my chest and it's still like when I even think about it it gets there and I almost feel like it's hard to talk about now like my voice is like changing because it's hard to talk about but it's kind of just the point of that is so that when you progress and you can identify um how prevalent that emotion still is and for me uh we did like rate one to seven on your how much you believe that limiting belief and then rate one to ten how much you feel that uh feeling so my lump in my throat at that moment and it can be one not at all or seven I believe this with my whole heart, and I'm not going to start believing it, stop believing it, um, or it can be zero, I don't really feel anything physical to this trauma, and ten, like, I'm going to have a panic attack, I can't handle it, which, first of all, I'm really sorry if that's the case, and it's definitely something that I think this would be helpful for, because even though it's so hard because you have to relive it basically and everyone has very different trauma and everyone's trauma is trauma but I understand there's different scenarios so I wouldn't say do this without thinking about it I would say you know do your research and stuff like that but so now I'll talk a little bit about like my experience with it and I think I'm I think I'm going to talk a little bit about my trauma so, trigger warning, or for my parents, maybe, I don't know, might not be easy to listen to, but love ya. Uh, so, I guess starting with what my core limiting beliefs was, 
is, like I said, I have to be perfect to receive love or I'm responsible for other people's emotions. And that's kind of the second part that came out of it. And like the memory that was associated with it, like makes a lot of, like it seems insignificant, but to me it makes so much sense. And so I guess I have to do a little bit of background, maybe not do all of it, but basically my dad had a girlfriend at the time when I was 10, 11, 12, and she was very young. She was like in her 20s, and so she kind of became like a sister to me, like an older sister, which is weird, I know, but she treated me like we did things like sister, like when shopping, like did face masks, drank tea, talked like all the time, very loving, and I think I had step-siblings at that point maybe maybe I just got step-siblings or something but it was like cool to have an older sister that like looked out for you and took care of you not literally an older sister but you know what I mean and so I just adored her I loved her and she just like made me feel so happy she was so loving towards me and just always just you know it just she just gave me a lot of love and especially in the beginning where we weren't you know around her as much or I mean I don't know. It's just nothing really was too bad in the beginning. But she was very sick, and at the time I did not know it, but she, her whole life, kind of struggled with um, bipolar disorder and then also borderline personality disorder, which that's not like where you have multiple personalities. That's the other one. But it's kind of like where you... You, you flip a switch basically and it's kind of like when people say you're bipolar but that's what it is actually because bipolar depression is like you go through the waves of manic and then depressed for weeks and it's not like a quick switch but when it's um what did I say not multiple personality whatever the one I just said was I I don't know why I forget it but anyways um it's kind of where you treat someone like you idealize someone and you treat them like they're the best thing in the world and then you do all these things for them and then all of a sudden one thing happens and you flip a switch and then all of a sudden they're the worst person ever I can't believe you do this to me like I do all these things for you all this stuff but it's like the really really high and then the really really low so I kind of talked about that like high low addiction thing and for the person you're with if you're with someone like that like that's very it's very hard to you know let go of the fact that they you you just want to get back to the baseline where they treated you so good and it felt so good to be loved by that person so much but you know if they're sick like that it's just it's never going to end and she had um now that I look back at it like I could definitely tell that she had those things going on and like she would have like uh scars and I always wondered what they were and it was like self-harm but I didn't know that at the time obviously but she would just tell me like it was a biking incident whatever but moral story I loved her a lot and because she was sick her and my dad had a lot of arguments and uh it it was to the point where it was like I had to tell them to like stop because it was embarrassing and they'd be like screaming at the top of like my diving practice or they'd have to sit at the end of the soccer game because they couldn't not fight and then or if we go on vacation or something like 
uh, they'd just be fighting the whole time. And so I kind of had to keep things together. And my brother didn't like her because he knew about these things somehow. I don't know. But we kind of were fighting at the time. So basically I took on the responsibility of making sure everyone was happy. And that's just impossible when you're in that situation and you're a kid. You're not supposed to be responsible for adults behavior let alone an adult who is mentally ill um but of course I didn't know that at the time so I thought that the more I was perfect and did everything right the more I would be loved or that she wouldn't get upset at these things or they wouldn't fight and because I thought all the fights were about me and my brother because my brother just didn't like her whatever it was and he just was like pain in the ass basically and I, I took on a lot more responsibility than I needed to, obviously, but when you're a kid, you can't really internalize those feelings. You just know that, oh, I said this, and then all of a sudden she's upset, whatever it may be. And it made me hyper-aware, and that's, I think, why I'm so sensitive to people's emotions, because it was never very stable, and I never knew what to expect when I was there or what I was going to walk into. And I just had to, like, really kind of I'd have to go back and think about what I said or what I did to make her upset even though it wasn't my fault or to make them get in a fight whatever it may be but yeah just in general it was not a very consistent stable or healthy thing to the point where like my dad would have to like wait in the car or have us wait in the car before we went in the house because she was so sick that like he was afraid that she would um commit suicide in the house and okay yeah sorry but it just those things I don't think unless you've experienced them at a young age it's hard to understand because you just don't know how people operate and if you love someone all you want to do is have them love you back especially if it's like a parent figure or you know an older figure in your life um but anyways the main thing that I identified with was this one memory where, like, we were talking at the table and I said something about not wanting them to have kids because I already didn't get enough attention as it was from my dad because he had to, you know, help her all the time. So I really, something that I also struggle with in my dad's relationship and stuff because I kind of thought that had to be perfect for him to also love me and give me attention and it wasn't really possible to give attention to us both or give you know the father-daughter love when you have someone that's mentally ill and you have to make sure that they're good all the time and I still didn't know that but I didn't want them to have a kid and I was like very it just made me very anxious and I was like oh, well, no, like, if they have a kid, I'm done for. Like, there's no coming back for me. Like, check me out. And so I just said that, like, once. And I just kind of said, I didn't really say anything about it. I just was like, maybe just get, like, a dog or something, even though we already had a dog. But anyways, she literally, like, got so upset that she left and went into the room, my dad's room, or their room, and didn't come out for two weeks. And when I mean that, I mean, literally, I went over there. I mean, I was at my mom's too, but when I'd go over there, I wouldn't see her for two weeks. And my dad would just say that she's sick. And 
I didn't know that that meant mentally sick, but it just was like, how am I not supposed to think that that was my fault, you know? Like, I said something to make her upset, and now she's in a two-week depression is what it was because she's, you know, bipolar. But I had no idea, and so I had to analyze and think about all these things, and I just was like, oh, God, like, what can I do to get her back and get her happy and stuff like that because I thought I was responsible. And I'm like, I just... It was never consistent. I never knew if I was going to see her going there, so I had to be really careful with my words and what I did. And I just, even if you're perfect, you should have to be perfect as a kid, but even if I was perfect, it didn't work out. And moral of the story, she left and without a goodbye, she just kind of had to leave abruptly because it was getting really bad. And it was really weighing on me and my brother. We were like fighting all the time and like physically fighting <laughs> but yeah it just maybe you can talk about it more I don't know how deep I want to get into it but yeah yeah so um anyways let's talk about the actual thing I identified so with that memory I I formed the belief that I have to be perfect to be loved or that love is something I have to work for. Which, no. The reformed idea well, that I made after, because you're supposed to do that belief, and then you're supposed to do one that is true and what you want to work towards. And that is love is not conditional. It's not something you have to work for, and you don't have to be perfect to receive it. So, that's what I had to work towards, and that's what... But that's the limiting belief, and then that's what I had to work towards. So, basically, during the sessions, you... Oh, yeah. Like I said, it's, like, left, right, left, right. You can either do that with, um, like, there's a little light thing that goes back and forth on... Like, she has this little, um, I don't know, it's, like, bar, and then the light goes back and forth and, like, pings. And that was fine, but I feel like with my eyes open, it's hard for me to, like, you know, get into it, so... She gave me these, like, sensory things, these buzzers, so you put one in each hand, and it kind of buzzes, and it's really weird, because it's, like, after you do it, you're like, wait, that actually, like, works, because, I don't know, maybe it's just me, because I, like, feel everything on my right side, and then, like, once it's, like, sensory on my left side, I can feel it kind of crossing over a little bit. That's dramatic, but it's it's what it's supposed to do, so it kind of makes sense. But anyways, you'll go through, like, different... After you identify all those things, you'll go through, like, about, depending on how long your session is, but you go through, like, 30-second phases or one-minute phases where they're buzzing back and forth, and you're asked to think about that core memory and just let your brain go wherever it wants to go. And today, I was like, I don't know if I'm doing this right. She's like, there's no way to do it right. It's just whatever comes to mind. And it's kind of hard to do that at first. Definitely the first time I was like, I, yeah, I don't understand. And it felt like pointless. But the more I've done it, and the more I've like kind of analyzed my trauma, then um, it makes a lot more sense. And it brings up things that I kind of forgot, which is weird. Because it's just weird that like your brain can literally block things out and I just no idea that certain things happened and now I remember them but anyways um actually funny story apparently the police came to our house to look for her because she stole something (laughs) 
but I just don't remember that. And they, like, apparently got me out of bed and stuff, and it was, like, early in the morning. And fully, I was out of bed and had to, like, stay in the kitchen or something. I don't know. But I don't remember that whatsoever until my brother literally told me, like, a few months ago. So, just a little fun fact that's weird that your brain could do that. Anyways, um, so you do multiple of those little sessions, and each time you breathe afterwards and then kind of just say where your brain went and then she says okay go with that and then you kind of go deeper into that and again it's really hard to you know it's kind of almost like meditating it's really hard to just clear your brain and think about one thing or think about nothing and just let it go um but I prefer like longer segments of the you know buzzing so I can have longer to actually like grab onto it but it is really cool about the stuff that you discover and you kind of see how like that leads to other things other like limiting beliefs I'm trying to think of what else I was I think like in general it was like that I have to work for love and love from anyone and respect to anything and not just romantic or platonic or you know from your family Um, Just love in general is scarce and fleeting and you have to grab onto it when you have it. And I think that's really affected my, the way or the people I attract or the relationships I attract because they're almost like emulating that feeling where I'm working for someone that's unattainable or like a love that's just, it's something that's unattainable and it's not easy and it's like a lot of highs and lows and that becomes addictive but it's also because it's already what I know and I was so used to the highs and lows as a kid because again when I was with her it was great awesome everyone was happy but then when she was depressed like everything was different my dad was stressed all this stuff and I was upset clearly and it, it just like that became a pattern in my head that I subconsciously um looked for because it was familiar to me and then also like because I didn't get to say goodbye to her it just I think it's like me replicating that type of scenario and then doing it over to make it like prove to myself subconsciously that I can do it and you know what I mean I don't know if that made sense but you just kind of try to replicate your trauma and do it right the next time but the truth is it's not going to be like you're not going to do it and it's because of either the people or the situation but that situation that caused the trauma is not healthy obviously and it's just it's it's not something you maybe even realize you're doing but I would say if you keep getting in these relationships or friendships that are just not healthy they're toxic and not consistent then I would say, you know, do some deep diving and figure out what that might be coming from. Anyways, that is what my brain went to. And then it gave me other specific memories where I affirmed that because the reason this is a core memory to me, or I thought it was like the core memory, is because it was something I already thought before because to keep the peace, I tried to be you know, perfect child, not cause any drama, try to keep my brother from, like, being, you know, because he just would do what, he was older than me, but he still would cause problems, 
so I felt like I was responsible for all of them, um, but yeah, I just, uh, what was I saying about that? I don't know. Oh, yeah, the reason why it was a core thing is because that right there affirmed it. It's like, yeah, I said something, and there was a consequence, and that consequence ended up me being hurt, and so why should I not think that because I said something wrong and I messed up that now I don't get that love or it's my fault that that person reacted that way and so I have to be responsible and aware of everyone's emotions and I that's why I'm so aware of everyone's emotions because I just always had to be you know on guard and act accordingly and you know not everyone's everyone's emotions are not about you and that's what I struggle with sometimes with my friends I'm annoying and I'm like did I do something? And I'm like, no, girl, like, literally, this is not about you. And I'm working on that. I think I've done better. But basically, it was a random time and one incident, but it was a thing that literally in my head formed that core belief. Like, right there, that reaffirmed it. And from then on, it was just all these, your brain looks for other things to reaffirm your core belief and basically that's what trauma does to you is it makes you look for all those things to reaffirm that trauma and that limiting to belief and so you just you see things through a different lens and the whole point of doing this is so that you can reframe your thoughts and have a healthier thinking pattern and understand that that's not really how the things are and it's just the way that your brain is making them because of what you experienced but um after that after you do a lot of sessions and then you go you try to go back to the core one and then you again see how you're feeling what level and for me I rated it like a five in the well no 4.5 out of seven and then by the end I rated it like a six because I was experiencing all those things and right after it it's like you just have a lot of emotions after and you don't know why because your body just I'll talk about it a million times but your body has an unconscious like biological response to being in situations that cause you trauma because like we're wired that way to like like animals like so that we stay alert and that we you know fight or flight basically and when you're in that state for so long as a kid I've learned that too it's like there's a lot of things that get fucked up and I think I should like research more about that but yeah basically that's what it is and I haven't been consistent on it because I haven't been able to like be in her office because I was at school and stuff but I think like I don't know if you guys are interested in like learning not learning more about it but like hearing my experience after I do it because I'm gonna be more consistent this summer since I have the time and now this is kind of my therapy outlet (laughs) I told her about it and she was she was excited um about the podcast but yeah so I don't know you may not relate to this at all just for me this is something that I feel like other people could maybe open their mind to and they may not have ever heard of it and I feel like I should say this about therapy in general Therapy is not something, like, I feel like everyone should get therapy low-key, like, especially the boys out there. If you were taught to suppress your emotions and you still do with that today, 
I think you, if you're an adult, you're 18 and you're in control of your mental health and your health in general, I think you should take the initiative to um, seek a therapist or seek, you know, healing. And I hope your parents are supportive. And if you tell them, like, that you're doing it and they don't pay for it, um, I'm sure there's ways that you can work around that or something. But don't not do it because of you think you don't have enough trauma or there's nothing really wrong with you or whatever it might be. But the one thing that I or like the platform that I think is really cool that I've like basically all my podcasts talk about because they're about healing or whatever. Uh BetterHelp, I don't know if you've heard of that, but it seems like if I wasn't in therapy with like a person right now, um it I I would do that because the thing about therapy and what kind of wards people off is because you're not going to like you're not going to mesh with the first therapist you meet. I mean, maybe you do, like that'd be really lucky. But odds are, like, because it's just a, it's a person, you know, like you, you either vibe with a person or you don't. And their strategies may not really go with what you're trying to do or they might not be helpful to you because you maybe already do that by yourself. And they're just you're basically just it's pointless, you know, like the, the ones I started with. It was like, I don't know what I'm doing here. Like, this was a waste of an hour because I can already tell you these things and you're not doing anything for me. But I would say don't get discouraged by that if you're doing the if you're doing like the regular route where you you know get referred to by or your doctor refers you to a therapist or whatever and you try them out like I would just you know do a little 30-day trial or like two visit trial I like I had one that literally like she's supposed to be so good and like life-changing life-changing and I just did not like her because she literally would give me the dirtiest looks. And that's probably just me internalizing and thinking that I was doing something wrong because, you know. Um, but I would say stuff and then she'd like get this look and like brunt her eyebrows and stuff and then look down and write it on her paper. And I was like, girl, what? Like, why are you making me feel bad about these things? So, again, and then I stopped going to her pretty soon after that because I was like I get more anxious for therapy than after like it's not relieving to me and if you're getting anxious going to a therapist it's probably not the right therapist and it should be someone you're comfortable with sharing things and kind of they help you get there they don't just let you maybe you're a talker like me they just let you talk and then kind of work through it but if you need someone to kind of pull those things out of you then you're going to need a therapist that specifically that's their style and like I said they all have different styles but I think this BetterHelp thing, like, that'd be really cool. I think it's more affordive, too. Um, affordable. But um, I don't even know. Is that a word? Affordive? I don't know. I, I make up words, too. So that, like, sound right in my head that aren't real. <laughs> so if I say them, just pretend you didn't. Like, I think I said beat, beat to a stick. That's not the expression. That's I, it's definitely not it. I, I know it's something else, but it's not that. <laughs> Anyways, um that that site I think you can like choose to be face to face you can choose to find someone in your area and do like online and in person or you could just message like text back and forth that's really cool and you don't have to commit to a therapist right away you can try multiple so I would just say try that and you know really take initiative on your mental health and I think 
it's becoming more normalized. I, I mean, to me, it seems like it. And who cares if it's not? Because it's your life, and you either choose to suffer or you choose to do something about it. And the more you suppress these things and the more you put them off, I know it's not fun to hear, but it, they're, they're just going to keep affecting you. And the sooner you can start, the sooner you can live a more fulfilling and just a life where you have this new perspective and new lens and it's so cool to do it in this age or like coming into this new age of being in your 20s because now it's like okay I'm grown up basically like this is when I start growing up and now like those limiting beliefs I had like now I know how to reframe my thoughts now I have the tools to you know catch myself when I'm going down this hole and I'm working through, I'm actively working through my trauma so that I don't get triggered. And that's the whole thing with EMDR. It's like, so that you don't get triggered by similar situations and you can't control it because like I've said, you're, it's a biological response. And there's so many times when I don't know why I'm like literally crying or like, I feel so upset after hanging out with someone and literally nothing wrong happened. Like, and, but in my eyes, I'm so like, I just feel so empty and I feel like the similar feeling it's almost the same feeling and it just makes things really hard because how are you supposed to explain that to someone when nothing happened you know um but yeah I would just say definitely that's part of investing in yourself too is doing therapy doing things to better your mental health and if you have good friends good family they'll support you and that honestly means so much but even if no one supports you I support you and I'm proud of you for doing that and I know it's not easy and I know it maybe seems weird if you're not someone that likes to confront their emotions but I promise you in my experience it's just been so freeing in a way and it's been really it's hard it's don't get me wrong healing is the hardest thing ever and it's not always you know sunshine and rainbows or it's not always like progressive sometimes you take a few steps back and I've definitely done that but even those steps back teach you something and they kind of teach you that you're resilient and that you can get through them even if you fall back or you kind of indulge in those old habits again it's okay just don't be hard on yourself like I always say don't be hard on yourself and surround yourself with people who are understanding of your journey and supportive and if not I mean keep it to yourself but also you know it's 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 nice when you have support because it's like oh yeah I'm doing the right thing but just remind yourself you're doing the right thing you're bettering yourself and you're just being an overall like more well-rounded human you know and if therapy's not your thing that's fine I just think it's really helpful but I would say just listen to audio things listen to audiobooks read educate yourself and try to just understand yourself maybe that's just me that's what I like to do is I like to understand and dissect every single thing because it makes sense to me and I don't like not ha- I don't like having feelings and not understanding what they come from you know um but yeah I can guys I can keep you guys updated on the EMDR if you like I don't know if anyone will find this interesting or not. And again, I'm sorry if this triggered anything for you. I hope not. Um, But yeah, just, you know, 
do something today for you that challenges you but also betters yourself in some way and that should be the goal of every day honestly but you know you can't be healing 24 7 that's another thing you do not have to be healing 24 7 there's days where you just need to relax and let yourself be and maybe even indulge in some of those things those bad habits not saying like do it i'm just saying it's okay if you do you know um but yeah i love you guys you can do it i'm proud of you and thank you for listening peace and love